Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In this episode, we begin the conversation on our mission statement and core values, and what we quickly discovered was that they're way too dense for one or two podcasts. So we did a few more to lay the foundation of what it means to stay at the table. We begin our conversation and talk about loving God and loving others fearlessly, and we move on to receiving and offering God's grace in abundance. And we end up taking both of these on separately in future episodes. So thank you for tuning in today and taking this journey with us. And we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed the conversation. So we want to welcome you back today to our second podcast. And we are again with James Beatty and Matt Kistler. And so glad to to come back again and, and have them with us. And so... What we want to do this morning, or actually, it maybe isn't morning. It's any time. It's any time during That's the how day. Podcasts exactly. Work. Thank you. So last time we introduced ourselves and we talked about what was one of the joys that we experienced during the pandemic. This time, as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, yeah, you never know, but. What are some things that you're looking forward to now? So James, I'm going to start with you. What are some things that you're looking forward to as we, quote unquote, come out of the pandemic? Hmm. Well, of course, uh, trying to return to some level of normal life. But even in that, I think that's kind of shortchanging the expectations because the break, not break, but the pandemic and isolating and being able to just reflect on life, reflect on what we do, the agitations that we're subjected to every day has allowed us to examine what's necessary mm. and what we have tolerated that we should no longer tolerate. Mm. So I'm hoping um, coming out that I won't take on all the old tolerated activities that the me that is me uh, that lives in a f- reflective mode that lives in harmony between my mind and my body that more of that will will stay um than just accepting going back to the normal grind yeah so i look forward to being back with family and friends and all those normal things but also being able to express to them you know, where am I at now? I've lived a few years. I've changed. Um, being true to that change and moving forward. That's what I hope. Nice. What about you, Matt? I'm looking forward to traveling. Um, I just took a big trip with my family out out west to Yellowstone and Glacier National Parks and Grand Teton. And that was a real joy, I think, if we hadn't been able to go. We were, you know, just at the edge. If those planes got canceled or something we, we were just going to explode 
we were <laughs> it was we were having a hard time holding it together for a while but um and it was funny as soon as we got home my wife's like okay i'm, I'm planning the next trip oh, that's awesome <laughs> she's that's already wonderful. about 15 hours in in the pre-planning pre <laughs> pre-planning stages great um, but between that and then for work one of the things that has always brought me the most joy was seeing the connection with what we do kind of at the headquarters level and what's happening on the field and really being able to visit and, and, and make connections with other people who are looking to serve, to looking to make change. And um, I look forward to doing that again. I, it's been, you know, over a year, 18, almost two years now since I've been able to do that. So mm. looking forward to that. Yeah. Thank you. I would say for me, as much as I am an introvert and loved being alone and reading and, you know, spending time with my husband, um, in that same time, I was unable to spend time with my children. Mm. I didn't see my daughter for almost a year. And uh, my one son didn't see him for almost two years. And my um, youngest son, we saw from a distance. He lives near. So we were unable to see or spend time. Mm. And it really took its toll. Yeah. And so being with my children again is wonderful. And being able to sit around the table, play games, talk, laugh, it's just, it's just wonderful. And being with people again, relationship. Yeah. I really missed, you know, FaceTime, hug time, touch time, you know, spending time, you know, after ch a church service, really missed all of that. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to relationship again. Yeah. It's amazing how many non-huggers are hugging now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so true. So last podcast, we talked about what we all thought um, staying at the table looked like and why we were doing this. And so today, what we want to talk about are some of the tools that we use or implement or, or actually the paradigm behind this process of staying at the table and why we do what we do. What What is the foundation of Cornerstone, but also what is the foundation of and the concepts behind staying at the table? So part of our mission and core value um, that we adhere to at Cornerstone or or try to live, live into, first one is um, loving God and loving others fearlessly. And the core values that go alongside of that are receiving and offering God's grace in abundance, valuing and respecting all people equally, embracing learning and discovery, and of course, staying at the table is part of those core values. Alongside of that, we have something that we learned from Eric Law um, that is called the respect model. So we're going to unpack all of those today and talk about what each one of those look like. And we're, we're going to get as far as we can in today's yeah, episode. Yeah, like a lot of unpacking. It is. And, you know, this might be episode two and three. So we're just going to take the journey. And I'm going to start out with, with um, loving God and loving others fearlessly. And Matt, I'm going to ask you, what does that look like? But it's not just talking about it ethereally, but what does it look like practically? 
How do you live into that? Yeah, and I, I think the word that strikes me the most in that is fearlessly, right? And, and I know as elders, we, we discussed a lot what that word should be. We went through a number of iterations <laughs> and <laughs> way too many meetings discussing one, one word. But so fearlessly means without fear. And I think about what are the things or what are the areas where fear stops me from loving others? And for me, it's... Um, I, I grew up kind of in a Pennsylvania German background where you could refer to as a cold culture. You know, we're, we're not super outgoing. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a setting where you don't talk to someone unless they're talking to you. I mean, initiating is is tough. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't. It was kind of like you're getting in their way, so don't bother them. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, the fear is getting out of myself and initiating relationship maybe when someone else hasn't initiated that's tough for me that's where I get fear and so if it's you know there's someone in my neighborhood who's in our church or having a hard time that I feel like "Ah, I I gotta reach out to them or I gotta there's a word that God's given to me to bless them Uh, I, I can get afraid and I can get tentative and and miss the chance and and that's the thing that gets me the most is sometimes that it's just a moment that you have and then it's gone. And so to me, loving God and loving others fearlessly is being connected to God to hear those whispers and then not letting your fear stop you from connecting with someone else. That's good. James, what about you? Yeah, it was just, it's very similar to Matt in, in this respect that we look at a lot of our core values in um, the tools that we use, there's quite a few adjectives and adverbs. And so if we look at loving God and loving others fearlessly, it is just help, helping us to understand what is the mode of loving God and loving others. And if we talk about that word fearlessly, and Matt, you were referring to this, of what is fear causes you not to do. And if you're going to love others fearlessly, you're going to ask a different question by being fearless. You're going to ask a question, is this right versus what will happen to me as a result of doing right? Mm. Right. And that's kind of, you know, we talked about all the different meetings uh, that we had to come up with this word. And it was because of that, of what question does it force us to ask of ourselves when we're in a tough conversation when we're in a tough topic as it relates to the religious community and to the community at large, it is not about what are people going to do to us living in fear. It is, is it right? Now it's fearless. If we keep doing what's right, there is a legitimate, tangible fear of what's going to happen to us. Do people shun us? Do people, oh, you guys aren't real Christians. You guys are blah, blah, blah. You're going to be names and everything else. But if we're loving God and, and loving others without fear, that doesn't matter. The question is, are we loving God? And do we live that out every day by loving others, even when the rest of the world will tell us and will actually act in a way that could harm us? Yeah. You're making me think of Viktor Frankl when he talks about, 
you know, being in Auschwitz and that they can control the, the circumstances that he's around, but they, they have no control over how he responds. And there's a beautiful quote that I don't have at my fingertips, but, you know, that for me is loving fearlessly. Loving God fearlessly is easy. Mm. You know, being loved by God fearlessly, that's easy. It's when you get to the others that the fearless part comes in. And and I so agree with you. It is loving um, regardless of how I am treated. It's loving according to my standards. It's loving according to actually God's standards. Mm. And And the fearless part is in doing that, People aren't going to respond the way that you want them to respond. Yeah, they're they're going to oftentimes do the opposite. I remember one time saying to somebody who who you know we had just a bad bad breakdown, and I apologized you know to them and and said I really I really apologize for the way I behaved and and how I treated you. And their response was, Yeah, yeah, you did treat me bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and they came back at me and I just was like, okay, this isn't what I expected, no. you know, but for me, it's taking that, you know, and it doesn't mean that we lay down, but, you know, I wasn't in danger, just my ego. So, you know, loving fearlessly is, is loving in circumstances and situations in which I don't want to, my, I don't want to respond um, nicely. Yeah. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to stand in the fear of being hurt. Right. Myself emotionally. I'm talking not physically. So alongside of this, as you know, we talk about loving fearlessly. My brain always moves to our core values. So as part of my explanation of loving fearlessly, it is valuing and respecting all people equally. It is receiving and offering God's grace in abundance. And it is embracing learning and discovery because there's always a, a gift and an opportunity as in every situation from which that we find ourselves. So I want to start with um, receiving and offering God's grace abundantly or in abundance. And James, what does that look like to you? And again, not as uh, much ethereally mm. as practically. The practical part of this is always difficult because we talk about giving something abundantly. It's just, it's more than enough. And it becomes more than enough for who? Which makes this very hard because if it's more than enough for me, that means if I don't like you anymore, it's more than enough. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take it, right? And so... It it offering grace to the point where uh, they don't have to come back. It was not expected. Um, it, it it meets the moment for for me. It, it it's doing, and and I'm talking about this in the abstract, and and then I can get for, so we can see what the detailed actual experience was. It was when, for me, it was just doing something that was laid on my heart at the moment that it seemed like that individual needed. 
But it could be as simple as always saying hello to somebody who's sitting on a park bench by themselves. Because we don't know how it's impacting them. It's grace. It is for young people that we don't have. I'm thinking of, so we're not far from a few universities of checking in on them. Because they don't understand or I'm coming to understand that I grew up in a unique environment. I grew up in a church environment where most of the people just seem to uh, shower me with love and grace because they knew my parents. Well, what if you didn't grow up in a church or you want the favorite family? Let's say maybe I'm I'm, I'm exploring here (laughs) that. That, that maybe I my family was kind of the chosen family where the people kind of love those kids and I happen to be one of those kids. But what if you are not? Then what does this experience look like to you of always feeling like you were the outcast kid? That the grace that they need is for somebody to make them feel special. And that specialness, that grace is being there for when, in their moment. That is, hey, let's go out to dinner. Or a college student, that's huge. That, let me give you a pizza that costs more than $2, right? That actually has some good taste to it. But then that's huge for me. To, so of all of the principles I think that we have, this one is the toughest to explain for someone else. It's one of those items that is in the moment and what it does is it interrupts your personal day to make someone else's day and doing that in a fashion where they would feel it's more than enough. You want above and beyond to make me feel human. So let me give a follow up question. Mm -hmm. What is grace to you? Well, we all know that the the the, uh, the church answer, the church answer, right? Yeah. It's unmerited favor, and so let's build. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna try to build on that. So, favor is unearned um, activity, unearned things. Whether that is another opportunity, if it's, it's it could be material items. Um, it's doing something without expecting anything back. Nice. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing what young people need for me is not my stuff. It is what did I go through? How do you handle this? It's a real conversation. And it, what, what, what makes it tough is they want to talk at 930 at night. <laughs> Those jerks. I know. Matt, don't they know how <laughs> old I am? You need to be in bed. <laughs> at least in like 15 minutes. I need to be in bed. <laughs> but it is like, no, let's talk. Yeah. And for me, it's to use Matt's word, I'm pontificating and they'll go, no, 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 continue. I'm like, we've been on this phone for 45 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, I needed this. Thank you. That is that hopefully that that gets somewhat at your question. So, Matt, what about you? Maybe start with your definition of grace. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to church. I mean, I think. To build on unmerited favor, I think in each season of life, grace looks different. And I think we're called to different expressions of grace. You know, so 
there have been plenty of seasons of life where, you know, financial generosity was not the grace <laughs> that I could offer people because, you know, I, I, I didn't even have the $2 pizza to eat. I, I was just going with the meal plan. <laughs> right. And if it was at the dining hall, that's what I ate. And I had two meals. I was eating two meals. Um, but in other times of my life, that was something that could be grace. Um, another thing that I've been learning as a, a form of grace that God asked me to offer is words. And, and it's just, like you were saying, uh, James I realize how words in in many ways cost us so little. It, it costs you so little to bless somebody, yep. to say, you know, you are okay and mm. you are doing all right. And I was just, even last, last week I was playing basketball with my son and uh, there was a team working out there and there was a little, a little brother mm-hmm. and he wanted to play with us. And, uh, and I just really respected how he handled himself. Mm. And, and this was a moment where I, I did not live out fearlessly. I, as I was leaving, I thought I should go and bless the father who was one of the coaches and say, I see what you're doing. Your son was doing okay here. You know, he, he treated me with respect. He treated my son with respect. And I really appreciate that. Mm. You know, those words wouldn't have cost me anything other mm-hmm. than, you know, 20 seconds of my time. Um, but that can bless somebody. Yeah. And so to me, that's, that's a grace. You know, he, he, he didn't need my words and, and there, there was nothing that required me to do that. But that was a way for me to bless someone else, which I missed, unfortunately. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. Interesting. No. And, uh, you know. It's the journey. It's the yeah. learning into. Yeah. Exactly. So to me, grace, you know, right now I'm kind of in a words season where I'm thinking about how can I use my words? I feel like God gives me words. How can I use those to bless other people? That's kind of the form of grace that I'm thinking about a lot. So you're receiving and offering God's grace in abundance is receiving those words and offering them. And the abundance runs along abundantly runs alongside fearlessly Mm -hmm. right now in being willing to do that. Right. So it's almost, you know, it's almost that fearlessly and abundantly really can run side by side. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, Matt, as you were saying that, you reminded me of these tangible things that we can do. Sorry, uh, Pastor T. Keep going. Um, it, so I did have a, a tangible experience like that. And I remember the gentleman saying, it was a situation, I lived in Minneapolis for many years, met a lot of great people that impacted both me, my family, my my sons immensely, and it was because of this one gentleman in terms of being in, uh, connected to the city that really fed into my sons, and because of what's going on and what has going on in Minneapolis over the past year and last two years, he just feels very heartbroken. Yeah, and so I was talking to him, and he's saying, "Yeah, James, I'm I'm thinking about moving," and I said, "No." you can't do this. And it's like, what do you mean? I said, you do not know the impact on young men's lives that you have. Because this gentleman has offered God's grace in terms of the physical materials, developing them for college, letting them know 
that their life was more than their present situation. Kedrick, I love you. Mm-hmm. Kedrick's out there. Kedrick's going to see, hear this. There's probably hundreds of young men that are now in college because of Kedrick. Kedrick Williams, I love you, brother. Hopefully, as you continue your path, that these words of encouragement that I'm putting over the airways now to you today is as special to you as the words you put in my sons, all three, all still um, resonate. So it's more than just the cleats that you bought, the football team that you put together, the basketball team you put together, the uniforms and the uh, the stadiums and the practice facilities and the talking to parents and the getting the kids into college to letting kids know that they can go to college to finding their path. You did that. That's grace. Mm. That's making life. We want to do that as a church community. Yeah. We're going to be known as staying at the table or the weeping, <laughs> the crying <laughs> the, the edition, weeping podcast. <laughs> We're all weepers here. Well, no one would know if you had a toll on us, Pastor Dave, because yeah, this well, isn't. Tape. I can't even talk, my lord. So, how about you? I'm the only one who's you. like pulled it together weeping, here. Thank you. You know, for me, receiving and offering God's grace in abundance or abundantly, so lands relationally and so lands in, you know, because I'm a pastor, because I interact so often in the midst of people's pain, because, you know, people come in and out of church, um, you know, there's a lot of learning to breathe in God's grace for myself and then pouring that out towards others. And I think the biggest um, response for me is pouring out not expecting something in return, Mm -hmm. which is also my definition of grace, right? God's riches at Christ's expense, right? I was waiting for an acronym. I knew that was somewhere. Right. But it it is God pouring out God's own self into humanity while we were yet sinners, while we were God's enemies, Christ died for us. And living again, and I say into because it's not a perfectionism, it's a living into these moments of how do I love when I'm being hurt? How do I love when I'm feeling hurt? How do I love when I'm misunderstanding someone? How do I love when we are in disagreement with one another? And and, you know, I just die, am diametrically opposed in my core of something somebody is saying. So how do I love somebody who follows white supremacy? How do I love when somebody is engaged in something that I am vehemently, you know, against? How do I stay at the table there? So receiving and offering God's grace in abundance for me is even in those moments in the same way when I was God's enemy and, and Christ died for me and loved me is, is holding and staying and, and refusing to run. And I think that makes a good point that it's 
very difficult to do that if you if you haven't already received that grace. Yes. You know, we we didn't talk a whole lot about the receiving, but I think to to have that kind of fortitude or vision to remain in a in those situations. You know, you have to know who you are, you have to know your loved and and that grace from God is you know the glue for you it it's it gives you so much to be able to exist in those difficult situations yes i could not do what i do i could not do my whole life quite honestly if i did not breathe in and receive god's grace abundantly for myself first and then pour it out and and for me, that's also why loving God and loving others, it's first loving God and being loved by God. And from that place, giving out. So I recognize that we're running out of time now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So any final words? We have a few minutes. Any final words or thoughts? before we got through two that's pretty good yeah this is going to be a multi-part it is it's going to be we're going to go maybe to three and four but that's okay because what we're doing is we're laying the foundation so that in future episodes like when we hit episode 100 yeah and somebody wants to know about us we can go go back go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. so it's okay that it's taking us a little bit of time to get started because this is so that they're so that you all and even we all mm-hmm. understand and process the foundation from which staying at the table is framed. Any final thoughts before I close? I just love the point you're making up. You uh, brought back Matt about it's important to receive it. Then you know what it looks like. And that's what I'm, I'm constantly reminded it about people. There are things we take for granted about what is true love. Mm-hmm. What is grace? What is care? What is community? Yep. If you've never experienced it, y- you have these falsehoods. Um, and so we hope throughout these podcasts, you'll start at least being able to hear an alternative vision of what those really experiences are about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like leaving people with a challenge. And I mean, to me, the challenge I have for myself as we reflect on this and for everyone listening is, know what is the grace that you can offer people mm-hmm. you know that that's not something that immediately can come you know it, it can look in a thousand different ways but i think we're all equipped as we receive that grace to offer it in one way or another to to the people around us and to do that fearlessly it's good well i want to thank everybody for tuning in again and Thank you, James and Matt, and of course, our incredible Dave Moore. All right, Dave. Yeah, Could Dave. not do this without you and keeping us all together. And we have no clue what we're doing. We're just talking into these things Dave sets up. And um, in our next episode, we're going to continue to share on our core values and our, our foundation that we're set at. And we just thank you and encourage you all to subscribe to staying at the table. You don't even know what people, you do the thing with podcasts that you do wherever you do it. Yeah, wherever you do it. And until we meet again, I hope that each of you can find a table to stay at. 
God Have bless. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Stay at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, James Beatty, and Matthew Kistler, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Find out more about Stay at the Table at cornerstonewestchester.com.